0: What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for checking out the STFYA podcast. STFYA is the college and young adult ministry of South Tampa Fellowship Church in Tampa, Florida. We meet every Monday night for the city, our weekly worship gathering. We are a family that's committed to following Jesus together in our city, and we would love for you to join us. For more information about how you can get involved, check us out on Instagram at STF underscore Thanks for listening. last valentine's day i was booed by some people and j mike started tonight by being booed and so glad that that is transferred that transfer of power has officially happened um, well however everybody We want to thank y'all for joining us tonight uh, you know uh, we know that tonight is uh this bible is not staying open if you're wondering why i'm having such a hard time up here right now like look at this <laughs> just look at this watch this guys watch just wait a second I mean, how? What am I? How am I supposed to work in these conditions, right? This is like a lot of our love lives, right? We just open ourselves up, and the Lord goes, "No, not right now. You're not ready." Okay. All right. We're gonna cut that out of the podcast and start the night in three, two, one. Hey, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Are we glad to be here? Hey. There we go. Um, well, hey. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter three. Exodus three. And uh, as we get going tonight, I tried to open it again. I don't know why I did that. Uh, as we get going tonight, I, I want to ask you: Have you guys? Um, you guys know about the green glass door? You know about the green glass door? The green glass door—it's this—it's uh, this door that um, you can take grass through, but not flowers. You know about the, you know about the green glass door? You can take a pool through it, but not a lake, right? You can you can take wood through it, but not a forest. But what else can you take through it? Someone throw it out there. What can you what can you take through the green glass door? Who knows? but not what? You you can take a spoon but you can't take a fork through the green glass door. All right? What else? What else can we take through the green glass? You can take the book, a book but not the Bible. So listen, don't take it up with me. Take it up between the green glass door, okay? It's not I'm I don't make the rules. What else? What else can you what else can you take? What else can you take? You can take a what? You can take a foot, but you can't take a shoe. You can take barbecue, but you can't take brisket. All right? What else? What else can we take through the green glass door? Who knows? You can take barbecue, if you abbreviate it, <laughs> barbecue, BBQ. Yeah. <laughs> I have the mic, Roshini, not you, okay? Your time has already passed. What else can we take through the green glass door? What you got? You can take Garrett, but uh, not, well, you can take Garrett. You can take Emily. You can take Lenny. Um, you can take Hannah, but you can't take Emily. You can take Danny, but you can't take uh, Sean. That'd be sad. That'd be sad for that, that dynamic duo. What you got? Oh, in the Valentine's mood, we know where Hayden's mind is. You can take a kiss, but not a hug, ladies and gentlemen. You can take a grasshopper, but not a bug. You can take a pillow, but not a bed. What else, William? You can take yeasies, but you can't take yeah. Yay. It'd be yay. You can <laughs> take easiest, but you can't take, you can't take yay. How many of you are still confused about what's happening right now? I appreciate your boldness. I appreciate it. Anybody else want to just say, I'm, yeah, okay, we don't know. Anybody else? Okay, yeah. Remember remember what we are. We're a green glass door. All three of those words have a, a certain thing in common with them. They have letters within them that are double, green, E. Glass, s door, O-O. So anything that has two letters back to back, you can take through. So like we have said, you could take uh, overalls, but not pants. You could take a happy person, but not a sad person. Are we all on the same page now? Hey, give yourselves a round of applause. Well done, ladies and gentlemen, for the brain exercise, you know. I remember the uh, first time that I ever did that, like on a road trip with some people, and... Um, you you know, you've been in those moments before, right, where it's one of those games where it's like, we're going to the grocery store. What are we going to get? And it's like, we're going to get apples. The next person's like, we're going to get bananas. you're like, we're going to get carrots. Like, no, we're getting elephants. It's like, what? Where did that come from? You've been in those moments, right, where it's one of those riddles, one of those things, but you're just absolutely confused out of your mind. Now, what do most of us do when we are in those moments? There's three types of people when those kinds of uh, puzzles get put our way, okay? Uh, First, there's the obnoxious person that thinks they have it around every corner, You've been around that person? Oh, 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 oh! You can take um, um. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, you can take a building, um, but but not a house. No, it's not it, bud. It's not it, right? You have the obnoxious person, um, you have the insecure person, right? Uh, and that's the one that's like, they did give a guess, but they got shot down so hard they're like, I'm just not going to open my mouth anymore the rest of our time together, right? Uh, so you got the obnoxious person, you have like the insecure person, and then you have the apathetic person. That person is just like what. What, like, why does this matter? Who cares about a green glass store and a grocery store and a picnic and all? Like, who, who cares about any of these things, right? Now, how many of you, you're the obnoxious one? Just be honest. You're the obnoxious one, okay? We have 2 it We'll admit it. Um, most, I'm glad, thank you for that. Uh, how many of you are the insecure one? You're the one that's just like, I, I'll i shoot my shot, but when it gets shot down, I will not shoot it again, right? Um, how many of you, that's, that's your love life, right? You'll shoot your shot, but once you get shot. Anyways, we're going to keep coming back to those jokes all night tonight, guys. I hope you know. Um, uh, how many of you, you're the apathetic one. You're like, I literally don't care. Like, can we just, yeah, yeah, I'm two of them. I, I'm two, yeah. Now, when we get into like a confusing situation, it, it's funny how oftentimes we can, we can kind of just take on these personas, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, here's what all of them do. Uh, they just drive us further away from figuring out what the truth is, right? Further away from f- figuring out what is actually uh, the correct way to approach this riddle in this, in this game. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about tonight, and just this journey we've been on, talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, we, we've talked about, um, you know, knowing, like, about the Holy Spirit, right? Good theology, right? That the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence, and and uh, we, we, we have to have good doctrine and good theology about the Holy Spirit. But more than that, and we've, we've, we've talked about this, like, we, we don't just want to know about the Holy Spirit. We want to know the Holy Spirit because He's not a doctrine to study. He's a person to love. And, and last week, we kind of began uh, talking about that. How do we truly know the Holy Spirit on an intimate, personal level? And we talked about how we have to have brokenness in our lives, and we have to have holiness in our lives to have intimacy, Now we're going to kind of transition the next few weeks in our series to talk about, okay, what does that intimacy look like? So, okay, I know how to have intimacy, brokenness and holiness in my life, but what does it actually look like? What does the Holy Spirit do in and through me? In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about uh, things like spiritual gifts, um, how the Holy Spirit gifts us to move the kingdom forward in a particular way. Um, And next week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. But this week, we're going to kind of look at it from a different perspective. Again, talking about life with the Spirit. This week, we're talking about what it looks like for us to communicate with the Holy Spirit. And as I thought about this idea about communicating with the Holy Spirit, I think that for many of us, like the green glass door or the picnic game or the whatever game you've played on a road trip, there's just confusion. Let's be real. Confusion surrounding it. And because there's confusion, maybe we uh, get obnoxious and we try to like uh, uh, learn all that we can so we can have the right facts to present somebody. So when someone talks about communicating with the Holy Spirit, we know the right answer and we can correct them if they're wrong. Or maybe we have insecurity about it, right? That like like, I don't know. Maybe I tried something one time where I was in an environment and it made me feel weird, insecure, like I wasn't good enough. And so I just kind of shy away from it. Or maybe we're apathetic. We just don't care. Like it's confusing. It's overwhelming. I don't really know what this means. But, but the reality is, when it comes to communicating with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that like, at a very base level, communicating with the Holy Spirit is just prayer. That's what it is. Communicating with the Holy Spirit is prayer. And, 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 and this is important because prayer, let me give you a quick little definition of prayer, just so we're all on the same page here. Prayer is intentional time spent in God's presence. That's all that prayer is. Intentional time spent in God's presence. And we've said from day one in this series that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. So let's draw like a logical line here. If prayer is communicating with God in God's presence, at the end of the day, prayer is just communicating with the Holy Spirit. So tonight, I I want us to um, approach this idea from maybe a little different perspective, this idea of prayer, from a, maybe a different perspective than we've approached it before. In fact, if you've been at STF on Sundays the last few weeks, you know we've, we've talked a lot about prayer. We've been in a whole series on prayer and fasting. And we've had some great messages about like, the practicality of prayer, how to pray, and those kinds of things. Tonight, though, I kind of want to step back a moment. And I, I want to really get to the core of maybe why we don't pray. And how to catalyze our life of prayer or our life of communication with the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to argue tonight. Most of us don't have a robust prayer life. We don't have a robust communication life with the Holy Spirit. Because at the end of the day, we can't give the Holy Spirit our communication because He doesn't have our attention. And this is the big idea for the whole night. The Holy Spirit will never receive your communication your prayers, your petitions, your praises, if he does not first receive your attention. I want to draw a line tonight between our attention and our communication, and I want to do that through this story in Exodus chapter 3, a very familiar story for many of you if you've been a part of church for any period of time. So Exodus chapter 3, I want to show you how our attention and our communication are actually aligned. And the main character that we're gonna look at is a guy by the name of Moses. By a show of hands, how many of you know who Moses is? You know who Moses is? Fantastic, awesome. Um, so, Moses is gonna show us something. He, he's he's gonna show us um, this uh, way in which he lives where he's intentional about where his attention goes. It's so easy for us to allow our attention to just uh, kind of go with the wind and not determine where it goes. But Moses is going to show us that if you're not intentional about your attention, then you're going to pay attention to the wrong things. So Exodus chapter 3, I want to start us reading in verse 1. It says this. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. It's just a fun fact. Um, You know, many of you are not feeling like you're doing too hot in life right now. You wish you were making more money, um, maybe not living with your your parents still. Um, Moses is probably like in his 50s here, and he's working for his uh, father-in-law, living in his house. So, you know? It happens. He said he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, let's pause for a minute. Let's talk about Moses one more time, okay? Again, we've maybe all heard of Moses, but uh, we can sometimes sanitize the stories in the Bible, especially if we grew up hearing them. I want to give us the reality of who this man is because I think if we see who he truly is, it might even give us a little bit of hope in our lives and our communication and prayer with the Holy Spirit because he's someone who growing up— he like. Everything was against him when it comes to having an intimate relationship with God. Okay, I want you to think about this. When Moses is a baby, he's abandoned in the Nile River in a basket. He's abandoned in a river full of crocodiles and I was going to say piranhas. I don't think there's piranhas in the Nile River. I think those are in South America. And someone was going to fact check me and totally discredit me as a teacher of God's word, okay? There's no piranhas in the Nile River, guys, obviously. But there are crocodiles or alligators, whatever they call them in Africa. He's put into, Emma's an expert. He's put into a basket in a river. And we know it's by the sovereignty of God that his his basket is found. And it's it's found by a group of people who uh, racially hate him. It's found by a a princess in Egypt. And if you know anything about history at this time period, the Egyptians did not like the Hebrew people who were the people that Moses was a part of. They, they, They were slaves for them. But she finds this baby in Moses and she raises him as her own. And for his entire life, Moses has to hide his true identity. Okay, so you've got like trauma. You're thrown into a basket in a river. Um, you've got trauma, you have to live your whole life with a false facade of who you are. You have to give a false image of who you are. And to sum it all up, uh, life is going well for Moses. He begins to have this inner turmoil, and in a moment of anger, he murders somebody and goes on the run. He goes on the run, and he's now no longer at royalty in Egypt. He's out in the middle of the desert, and he meets this woman who he falls in love with, and he moves into her father's household. It was very customary at this time period. He becomes a shepherd. He takes on his father-in-law's business. That's where we are in the story. Look what happens in verse 2. It says this. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, of fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. So Moses thought, I should go over there and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush and said, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Okay, by show of hands, how many of you have heard this story before in some capacity? Keep your hands raised if you saw it happen on the Prince of Egypt movie by DreamWorks Pictures. Wow, we have some OGs in the house. Okay, put your hands down. Some of you are like, what is the Prince of Egypt? We're just outing ourselves as like weird conservative like Christian kids that grew up in the 90s or early 2000s. Um, Again, I think sometimes when we hear these stories, we can sanitize them. We can make them uh, almost out to be things that they are not. Uh, I want to point out a couple things in the story that maybe we haven't seen before. The first is this burning bush. I think that many of us have this assumption that, like, it would have been pretty uh, out of the ordinary for Moses to be out there herding sheep and all of a sudden uh, a bush to be on fire. Obviously, that would be something that would catch his attention. But I, but I want to notice something, okay? Um, I want us to look again at verse, at verse 2. Look at what it says exactly about Moses. It says, As Moses looked, he saw... That the bush was not on fire, but was not consumed. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. Uh, Here's what's interesting about this specific area that Moses is in. It's in a very arid climate, very dry, which means that there's any small spark in any capacity, from a fire, from a uh, piece of debris, even from a lightning strike, uh, these bushes would catch on fire almost instantaneously. And when we talk bush, we're not talking about something small. We're, we're talking about these, these, uh, these plants that are, that are, that are very large. Um, and, and, and I want us to, again, picture this. For Moses, it was not out of the ordinary for a bush to be on fire in the wilderness. It it was kind of like um, uh, walking around and uh, or driving around and seeing a car accident, right? Like we don't see those every single day, but when they do happen, we maybe glance for a minute and go, I mean, that's that's inconvenient for them. Or maybe we're selfish like me and it's like, that was inconvenient for me because it made me sit in traffic, right? But it's just kind of a thing that happens. In Moses' day, it would not have been out of the ordinary for him to be walking along with his sheep and seeing, oh, there's a bush on fire. It must have been some person that didn't put their fire out or whatever it might be. But notice what happens. Look look, look at this verse again. I want to emphasize something else in this verse. Look look at the, the verbiage that's used. As Moses looked, he saw. As Moses looked, He saw. Now, uh, in Hebrew, uh, there's two different words that are used here. These are not the same word used twice. Two different words. The first word, Moses looked, it's this idea of a glance, a passing glance. You just move your head. It gets your attention for a moment. That's what looked is. The second word, this idea of saw, if you have the ESV, your Bible will say Behold. It's this idea that it doesn't just catch your attention; it catches your gaze. And this idea behind it is that you cannot take your eyes off of it. And in fact, if you uh, like read it in other places in the in the Old Testament, it's even used not to talk about like literally like seeing. Um, like, something, like, physically in front of you, but, like, seeing a person for who they truly are, right? Like, you've everybody seen Avatar? Anybody seen Avatar and, like, how they're like, I see you? You guys notice that? That's not the Navi people who invented that. The Hebrew people actually did. Just shout out to them. And so this is the idea here, that Moses looked, but then he saw. He looked, but then he saw. It caught his attention, and then Moses made the intentional decision to pay attention. I don't want us to miss this, because I think it's at, this is at the core what it looks like for us to build our communication with the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to pay attention to him when he shows up in our everyday life. Again, like Moses had a decision to make. He he could have just looked and then kept on walking. But because he saw that it was not being consumed, he was able in a moment to realize there's something different going on here. He looked, okay, there's a bush on fire. But then he saw, wait a minute, there's no no ash underneath. There's, There's no smoke coming off from the top. There's no no limbs falling down. It's just, it's on fire, but it's not consumed. Think of the attention to detail it takes to notice that fact. He had to pay attention, to give over his attention to this thing that God was using to get his attention. And again, I think this is at its core what I think for us, what we really have to understand if we're going to, if, if, if we are going to pay attention to the Holy Spirit, God set that bush on fire to get Moses' attention. But Moses had to make the decision whether he was going to pay attention to it. Right? God can reveal himself to you and me in the Scriptures. But you and I can make the conscious decision whether we're going to read the Scriptures. God can promise you victory over sin, that there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. That you have power to defeat any sin that would so easily entangle you, but you and I are the only ones who can choose to walk in that. God can transform the life of your family, but only you and I can be the one that would decide to tell our family about Jesus. Like it's the difference between what God is capable of doing, what he's able to do, and what we decide to join in with him as he is doing it. Paying attention. And this is what Jesus gets to in in Matthew chapter 6 when he is talking to his disciples and he says, listen, like, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because that's the thing about attention at the end of the day. Attention is always tied to what we value the most. Really simply. Attention is always tied to what we value the most. And in this season of Moses' life, he valued hearing from God. He valued growing in an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, he walked in a state of awareness knowing that like, if God gets my attention and tries to prompt me, I need to be listening and I need to respond. And there's a truth that's just built into this. And we, again, we can apply it to our prayer life. We can apply it to communicating with God. and It's a bigger truth than that. And it's just that like your attention is always gonna determine your actions. Your attention's always gonna determine your actions. So you wanna be someone who prays more? Turn your attention to God. You wanna be someone who can fight an addiction? Turn your attention to God. And that's not just a biblical truth. Like we know this as a life truth. Did you know that there is an entire Um, like economic system in our world known as the attention economy? Think about like the the top five apps that like statistically our demographic, our age would use, all right? Um, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, um, Be Real, um, TikTok, right? How much do you pay for any of those apps? If you pay something for them, then there's an issue with you. <laughs> so no, I want those filters. <laughs> You're weird. Um, you don't pay nothing. You don't pay any money. But you do pay all those apps with your attention. Why do you think there's ads on every single one of those? Why do you think that businesses now have, some of you might even work in this, entire departments where they don't focus on uh, traditional forms of marketing, but instead look to influence you through a person using a product on a social media app. They didn't pay for you to see a billboard. They just paid someone to eat a bag of chips in front of you. So you would go, huh, maybe I do need to eat those talkies." Isn't it interesting? I never heard of talkies until TikTok came out. Never, ever, ever. I had a sheltered childhood. I know. Stop judging me. It's the attention economy. Our, our world knows that what you give your attention to, you will also give your actions to. And, and so unfortunately for many of us, my, myself included, we just we spend our lives giving our attention to the wrong things. And, and in giving our attention to the wrong things, we don't give our attention to the best thing the most important thing. And then we wonder why we feel so far away from God, why we feel like the Holy Spirit is just not present in our life. Paul, he kind of uses this verbiage in uh, his letter to the Thessalonians where he's kind of warning against doing this, warning against uh, refusing to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. I love this language he uses. He says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. That's really weighty if you think about it. That you and I would actually have the freedom and the capacity to quench the God of the universe speaking and moving through us. But we do. And we do it all the time. Right, it's it's, kind of like this. Like when you gave your life to Jesus, right, it's interesting that there's an image in Scripture of the Holy Spirit as a flame, right? When the Holy Spirit descends upon the apostles in uh, Acts chapter 2, he he shows up as tongues of fire, right? Um, It's this image kind of all throughout Scripture, like God is even referred to as an all-consuming fire, right? This story in the book of Exodus, right? The presence of God shows up, right? If you keep reading the story, what does Moses do? Takes off his sandals because he's on holy ground because he's in God's presence. It's this image of God coming in the form of fire. And when you gave your life to Jesus, maybe it was last week, last month, last year, maybe it was when you were 15 at like a student ministry camp, or maybe it was when you were a little kid at VBS, or maybe it was with your mom and dad, or maybe it was your freshman year of college, or whenever it was, there was a fire that lit Within you, The Holy Spirit entered into your life. And, and the scripture says that the Holy Spirit dwelled within you. But let's go back to what Paul says. Writing to a group of Christians in Thessalonica, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Do not quench the Holy Spirit which again means that we have the capacity to quench this flame that's inside of us. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? We, we quench the Holy Spirit. At every time we feel a prodding from him to talk to someone we know about Jesus that is not a Christian, and we say no. We quench the Holy Spirit. And, and every time we're convicted over sin, but we just scroll TikTok to ignore the conviction, we quench the Holy Spirit. And, and, and every time we uh, maintain that relationship that we know is unhealthy, that we know is sinful, that we know is leading us farther away from God and not towards God, when the Spirit is saying, cut it off, step away, like, like move out, break up with them," and we say no, we quench the Holy Spirit. And, and every time we're angry with somebody, and instead of going to them, we just talk about them, we quench the Holy Spirit. And, and every time we get frustrated with our life and, and wish things were different, but instead of leaning into God, trusting His promises, seeking Him for direction, we just go out and we binge drink, right? Or we go get a hookup because that would make us feel better, like we have some kind of meaning or worth. We quench the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the reality. Here's the reality. The Holy Spirit hasn't gone anywhere. He's still here. We're just not a vessel that can be lit. Because we have made the active decision to shift our attention off the Spirit of God and toward whatever it might be that the enemy is using to distract us. And then we blame God and say, God, you're not here. God, you're not with me. God, I don't feel you. And like we talked about last week, we spend our life moving from one emotional experience to another because you know what? When we can get around other people that have the flame, we see, oh, yeah, he is there. Oh, yeah, he is moving. But then when he wants to work in our life because we're neglecting holiness and refusing to be broken over our sin, he doesn't get to the core of who we are. That's what it looks like to quench the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you flat out, this is where a lot of Christians are in our world today. God has not left them. God has not forsaken them. They have consciously chosen by their own decisions to quench the Holy Spirit. I have been here. I have been in seasons of my life where, because it's my job to talk about God, I have neglected the things of God in my own life, but felt the pressure to maintain an image for other people's life. And I've preached sermons that have no power. I've given counsel to people when there's been no impact. I've walked in and out of rooms where people have looked to me to guide them. And because I don't want to deal with how I'm quenching the Holy Spirit, I'm just settling for the Holy Spirit being around me, not working through me. That could be the worst thing that could happen to this ministry, by the way. We could be so content with the Holy Spirit moving around us that we wouldn't do some self-evaluation and realize maybe we've quenched him and he wants to really move in us. So what does it look like not to quench the Holy Spirit? What does it look like to become a person who is paying attention to the Holy Spirit? He's receiving our communication because he's first receiving our attention. It looks like repentance. It looks like turning away from the things that hold our attention over God, returning them to their rightful spot and inviting the Spirit of God to enter back in. Notice, the Holy Spirit has not gone anywhere. We have just now made ourselves a vessel that can actually be lit. So tonight, the call is just simply pay attention. Pay attention. Recognize that the things that capture and take your attention away from Jesus are not just random frivolous things. They're the enemy doing his best to take your eyes off of Jesus, but if we will be intentional about our attention, we will be at people who don't quench the Holy Spirit, but instead open up our lives to be used by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to end tonight a little differently than we typically do. Um, I'm going to invite uh, just Garrett to come on back up. Typically, if you're with us on, on Tuesday nights, we do a thing called two minutes of silence at the end of a service. And uh, it really is just two minutes where you can just sit. Um, you, can, you, can, you can pray, you can listen, but really just sit in silence and allow the Lord to speak to you. Tonight, we're going to have a few minutes of silence, but, it, but we're going to do it differently. Instead, I, I want to lead you in a practice that I try to use that helps me keep my attention on God. And it's a practice that I like to call the looking prayer. It's kind of a modification of this prayer called the, uh, the examine by this guy named Ignatius of Loyola. He was a church father, that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But basically it's just an opportunity for you and for me to fix our attention on God in a particular moment. It involves us looking three places. First, looking up noticing God, reminding ourselves of who he is, and then looking in, becoming aware of our own sin, the things that are holding us back, the things that are keeping us from being aware of the spirit and then looking out at the world around us, the people who are in need, the people who need us to go to the Lord and intercede on their behalf. It's looking up, it's looking in, it's looking out, and it's something you can do in 30 seconds, you can do it in 30 minutes, you can do it in three minutes. It's a very easy way for you to orient your life, orient your moments, orient the decisions that you make on God, because you're intentionally looking to Jesus. You're Fixing your mind and your attention on the Holy Spirit so that he can get your communication because he has that attention. So here's what I'm gonna invite everybody to do. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna lead us in this prayer. So I'm gonna explain and say a few things about each moment and movement. And just in those moments and movements, I want you to just focus on in those moments communicating with the Holy Spirit so first I want to invite everyone in the room in your hearts and in your minds to look up remind yourself that there is a God in heaven who is in control he made everything by the word of his mouth and sustains everything by the word of his power That is who you and I are communicating with. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This sovereign being who holds everything together. And yet, this being, this God, wants to intimately know us. He is our Father. Thank you for being good, God. Thank you for being present, God. Holy Spirit, thank you for for continuing to ignite a flame in us, even though we try to quench you so often. Now I want us to look in. Our prayer is Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Reveal in me if there is any wicked way. We spend so much time looking at the wickedness and the sin and the brokenness in other people that we distract ourselves from that sin that's within us, the things that hold us back, the things that stand in our way, the things that we are doing that are quenching you in our life, God. Holy Spirit, in this moment, bring to all of our hearts that habit, that sin, that addiction, that relationship, that thing within us, that propensity or insecurity, Lord, that is pulling us away from you. We've looked up to you, Father we've looked in within ourselves to see if there's anything sinful within us we need to bring before you and confess and now God we want to look out Lord you work in us because ultimately you want to work through us so God bring that person to mind that we need to pray for in this moment that situation at work or in our family that we've been giving advice on, uh, we've been giving our opinion on, but we haven't been going to you on. Help us to look out in these moments and see the people that we need to intercede for, the friends, the, the family members, the co-workers. People all around the world, God, who are just devastated because of the brokenness that exists on this earth, God. Would we look up at you and look in at ourselves and look out at how you want to move in our midst? Holy Spirit, help us keep our attention on you.